You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. I was raised in a pretty traditional Methodist church that was founded upon the great preaching of John Wesley and the great hymns of his brother Charles. Worship in our church was the same every single week. There was a hymn, and then a scripture reading, and then a sermon, and then a hymn, and then some intercessory prayers, and then another hymn, and then once a month we'd have communion. So it was pretty straightforward, pretty methodical, and it was all done with English charm. Many of my friends were Methodist, but there were also some Lutherans and some Presbyterians and many Catholics as well. So we'd talk about our different experiences of church on Sunday, and we'd all pretty much had the same complaints that it was boring. You know, we were all hemming and hawing about how boring church was. For, for us Protestant kids, it was mostly that the preaching took forever, good 30 minutes every Sunday. You guys get off with 10 minutes, you're doing pretty well. But for the Catholic kids, it was mostly that it was the same thing every single week. Felt like Mass was the same every time. So it was their repetitiveness that seemed boring. So many of my friends ended up migrating more toward the, you know, the more fast-paced, high-energy evangelical churches that have kind of come about in recent times with the louder music and the lights and the good coffee that you can bring into church with you. But many others just left. My deep Methodist roots and foundations didn't really allow me to take very seriously either of those options, because although I felt bored from time to time in in church, the beautiful rhythm of the the service had kind of worked its way into my soul, and and it kind of became a part of me. So I knew there was something real in that simple worship style that the world didn't have to offer, and that the last thing I wanted to do was try and conform God to my own personal tastes. So when I finally, as an older, basically still a young man, opened myself up to the Catholic liturgy, I was stunned because I think in a very real way, the Methodist Church's rhythm prepared me for the beauty of the Mass and the, and the truth that is so clear in the liturgy. In what we call in the Roman Catholic Church, the noble simplicity of the Mass. So today's scriptures, I think, speak really deeply into this mysterious work of God. So let's dig into them. Our, our reading from the Old Testament is the conclusion of the story of Naaman. As he plunges into the Jordan River and is healed and cleansed of his leprosy, at the command of the prophet Elisha, We missed the whole conversation, the whole beginning of the story, which consists of Naaman coming all the way to Israel because he had heard of the prophet who could heal him. And he gets to the door of Elisha, and Elisha refuses to even see him. He doesn't even come out to greet the guy. He just sends a servant out to tell him to go and wash seven times in the river. So Naaman is the commander of the armies of Syria. He's a leper, 
but he's also the commander of the armies of Syria, which Syria at the time is the empire in the world. He's probably the second most powerful man in the world. And Elisha won't even come out to see him. So he's pretty angry at the disrespect that he's being shown, but he's also angry when he looks at the Jordan River, because I don't know if you've ever been to the Holy Land, but the Jordan River, by Montana's standards, is a creek, and it's not even a great-looking creek. It's, it's a pretty weak flow of water. It's in the desert. For, by their standards, it's a river. But he says, well, can I go back to Damascus? We have way better rivers in Damascus. Why would I come all the way here to wash in this creek? But his servants calm him down. They say, they say, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do some great thing, you would have done it. But how much rather then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So why don't you just give it a shot? So he goes and he washes, and it's, and it's by a sort of mundane bath that Naaman is healed of his leprosy. He came out with his flesh like that of a little child, is what it says. So this is clear, clearly the work of God, but it's not a pillar of fire. It's not some crazy storm. It's just cleansing, a silent cleansing. And the Mass, I think, is something so similar. We're not asked to do anything spectacular in the Mass. We come and we sit before the Lord. We kneel before the Lord. And we listen to His words. It's a simple thing that we do each week that can pass us by if we don't stay attentive to it. So now let's look at the New Testament. We join Jesus as He's journeying to Jerusalem and these ten lepers call out to Him. They don't even approach Him. He doesn't approach them. He doesn't lay a hand on them. He doesn't say words of healing to them. He doesn't even promise them anything. He just says, go show yourself to the priests. And the healing happened as they were going. They were cleansed as they were walking. And it must have been so subtle that it, it wasn't even, couldn't even feel it because it says one of the lepers, realizing that he had been healed, returned glorifying God. It's as though the others possibly hadn't even realized they were healed yet. So both the story of Naaman and the ten lepers as they're journeying toward Jerusalem are great images of the way that God has chosen to work in our age. For I, I think they fit really well also with the, with the way that Christ lived himself. You know, he's the son of God. But the first 30 years of his life were spent in a quiet town in Nazareth with his family. And the last three years, though he did some great things, he didn't make a show of it. He didn't come out as the king of the world and overthrow Rome and put the kingdom of God in its place. Instead, he spent most of his time forming his apostles and his disciples for the mission that they would have. That was most of his time. Now, there's an obvious question here, and I think it's a reasonable one. I'm asked it pretty often, which is, why doesn't God make himself more clear in the world? Why is it so hard to find God? Why are there so many people who don't believe when God could reveal himself to them? Because when we look at the world and then we look at the church, it certainly seems like the world's putting on a better show. You know, you think about mass, how exciting it is, or you could think about going to Coachella, or Austin City Limits. It's like, what, which one is more compelling? I think 
It's, it, it's hard to say. And then we say that the Mass ought to be the center of our life. What are we claiming there? Well, we're claiming that in the Mass, it's not what we see, but it's what's actually happening. That the, that the veil between heaven and earth is actually torn asunder. That the angels and the saints are actually here with us when we're celebrating Mass. They're here worshiping the Lord with us. That when the Eucharistic prayer is said that we're actually at the foot of the cross, that's where we are when we're in Mass. That's why we have a cross behind every altar. Because we're sitting at the foot of the cross with the Lord. That when the words of consecration are said, that the bread and the wine before us is no longer simple bread and wine. That it's the body and blood of Christ. And his soul and divinity. So it's simple. It looks simple. It feels like a simple thing, but it's not easy to be at Mass. The, the Jews could not believe it when Jesus told them about the Eucharist. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And many of them quit following him. And Thomas Aquinas writes about this mystery, the, the sort of difficulty of it for us as people who take in everything through our senses. He says, seeing and touching and tasting are in thee deceived. How says trusty hearing? That shall be believed. So in the Mass, we can only trust what we hear. We can trust the words that God tells us about what is actually happening around us because it's, in a sense, beyond our senses. God speaks to us in Mass both simply and profoundly. You know, it appears as an ordinary thing in part because God is never going to force our wills. He's not going to show up in some crazy, miraculous storm because then we wouldn't have the choice to pursue him in faith. We would have to believe him, and then we would become slaves. So he lets us find him if we search for him. But it's beyond a simple thing. When we trust our hearing and we enter into the mystery, then we're actually transformed and we understand how, how this simple mass, which when, you think, when we think about what we're doing right here, and then we think about the fact that it's happening everywhere in the world, and it has been happening everywhere in the world for 2,000 years, and it still has the same power that it's had for those 2,000 years. It's amazing. The Lord must be present here in a way that he's not anywhere else. And when we begin to trust that, when we begin to trust our hearing, what the Lord tells us, then, then we will be transformed and we'll have the courage to go out and preach that mystery to those who we know. Amen.